You might know her. You might see her in your feed quite regularly. Self-confessed business fanatic who loves everything to do with fintech. I actually saw her come up on my feed a few times and looked at her setup and I was like, you know what? I kind of want to be just like that. She builds a lot of content. She's got a really strong brand, very positive in her approach. Lots of good messages for people to follow. Belinda Agnew. Belinda Agnew. Belinda Agnew. Belinda Agnew. Hold on for this one, guys. It was certainly something that was very front of mind for me and a big sort of part of this journey was going, what do I want that next chapter of my life to look like? And there's only money is fantastic, great, having status or, you know, having achieved things in my field, fantastic, like tick, tick, winning awards, whatever. All very good things, but what's going to make me happy in 10, 20, 30, 40 years' time? Welcome to Startups and Unicorns with Belinda Agnew, your home to learn all things funding, scaling, talent, branding, and the billion-dollar dream. Finding out how to be a unicorn in a field of horses. Hear from industry founders and discover how to stand out to those who matter most to your business. With your host, tech startup fanatic, Belinda Agnew. Taryn, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you because I feel like I interview males more than females. We've got to change that. <laughs> and it needs to change. And I just don't know where to find these amazing females. Like, you need to help me out. So I'm really excited to have you um, on the show, especially being in my space. So I'm really keen to to get into your story. So if we were at like a, a dinner mm-hmm. and or a networking event, how would you tell people who you are or what you do like if someone was to say so Taryn what is it that you do <laughs> it's so hard it's so hard my bio is getting very very long and so yeah. and it really depends on the context now as to how much people know about one industry or another so yes. um my career sort of spans talent and technology and startups are the sort of two kind of buckets so okay. sometimes people are very familiar with my work for my first company wink models and so i kind of just stick to that narrative because it's easy for people to understand yeah or sometimes they know me from the right fit or the influencers agency or hash gifted which are very much like tech startups venture capital backed blah 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 so okay. i generally try and sort of skew to whatever's going to make them feel most comfortable and that they're okay. going to understand um otherwise i say oh i've got a few different businesses they're generally in the sort of technology, Everything. startup and talent social media space. So if you were, because it's so interesting, I feel like, you know, me five years ago when somebody says to me, what is it that you do and like, who are you? I feel like my answer is so different compared to what it used to be. I was always like business, like this is what I do. This is what I'm working on. How exciting. Yeah. And now I'm just like. I'm an introvert. I'm a homebody. I like Pilates. I love, I love my dog. That. I love that. So I'm much pescatarian. More <laughs> yeah. I don't like meat, you know, and I, I feel like how far do we go with that? Like, yeah. do you mix it up, the, yeah. the introduction, or do you just go straight into like Isn't your that business? so interesting? It never even occurs to me. It always just like front of mind is wow straight into business and that's probably like terribly unhealthy i'm sure a counselor would have something to say about that, that well if if you my, love it my that's... whole sense of self is attached <laughs> to work i'm sure that's entirely unhealthy but it yeah. is, and I always am very conscious, though, when I meet someone for the first time, I try never to ask, so what do you do? I try and ask other questions because I do think that 
human beings are so much more interesting than what they do. Totally. It does make up such a huge chapter of your life though, right? Like most of us spend at least eight hours a day doing it. So Plus. it is hard to to get away from that. But I do try and ask, you know, what are your interests? Or yeah, yeah, what I get What books it. are you reading at the moment? Yeah, okay. So everything that you do, like, you know, um, now and I, I guess previously, everything you've built – what is it you would say you're doing it for? Because in the beginning, it it's always money or some type of you know success or status. Do you do you feel like it's changed for you now? Compared yeah, to- I think mine was never really about money. Um, okay. It probably should have been, but um, I was really focused on solving problems, and I okay. would find these pain points. So. I started Wink because I found this pain point in the modeling industry and I thought this can be done better. So I want to start a modeling agency that pays models within seven days and treats them with decency and respect and blah, blah, blah. So that business was very much like I saw a problem. I, I just had this, I had to solve it. It was like a an, an itch I needed to scratch. And then the right fit came from building the tech platform that powered Wink and I fell in love with technology and I really wanted to do something in that space and I could see this opportunity and I really wanted to go out and build something that was more scalable than a traditional agency. So I never had the intention of building businesses for money or for status or for growth and I probably, and I think that part of the problem of that was that there was never a time where enough was enough. There wasn't like, okay, great, you've reached this you know, point, you've earned this much money or, you know, you've got this many customers or you've grown the business to this size or whatever. Now that that's success, you know, there was never that line. And so it was always just more, 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 more. So that was probably- You're never content. Never content. Do you feel like that is a gift? I think it certainly drives me. Um, I, I identify opportunities and I get very excited about things. I always say I'm amazing zero to two years in business. And after that, I'm like, need to put an operator in because I love those early days of the ideation, the hustle, bringing the right people and resources around a problem to get it done. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want to be the person that has to stay around and I'm definitely not the scale up person. Someone else needs to do that. Um, But that's good that you know your your strengths. It certainly took time to know that. I think if you'd asked me five years ago, I would have been like, I'm an amazing CEO. (laughs) Now I'm like, I'm a terrible CEO. I just, I like being, I'm a true entrepreneur. I'm ideation. Um, yeah, certainly not operations. So you've built um, the right fit. Yes, correct. And you've done other businesses mm-hmm. as well, but you've kind of stayed in your own lane. Yep. Like you haven't really, you know, diversified too much outside yeah, of I've what- never done fintech or medtech correct. or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. but you, you've obviously, you're a non-technical founder. Correct. yeah. So you had no idea about tech, but you just were like, this is the future. This is what I need yeah. to do. How did you start? Like you're like, this is what I want to do, but where did you go? Did yeah. you find a CTO or like how did you even go about that? I was so fortunate in that. So when I built the platform for Wink Models, uh-huh. I went and got three competitive quotes from different agencies and I used an agency to build that. Like a development agency? A development agency. Agency. Okay, yeah. And it was an it was a nightmare. It took like triple the amount of time and triple the cost that it was supposed to take. But I loved learning, like going through the process of building sprints and understanding how to scope a feature and all of those things. So I got to the end of that build and I knew that I wanted to build the right fit. Um, it was sort of as Airtasker and freelancer and all of those sort of marketplace. I was like, why isn't there a marketplace for talent, you know, photographers and models and makeup artists and 
So I was like, I really want to, I would really want to build this, but I knew I didn't want to use an agency. And mm. I knew I was obviously a non-technical founder. So I had to go and figure out how I was going to solve this. And yeah. I went to see a bunch of our clients, actually, um, clients from Wink, who um, to go and see if there was a, a real opportunity here. And I, so I took this idea and I said, look, I think I'm going to build this marketplace. This is how it would work. You'd pay online. You'd post a job directly. Would you use this? Blah, blah, blah. And through that process, and I was also just like reaching out to people on LinkedIn. Oh, saying, wow. Can I come and meet you? I've got this idea. I want to talk it through. And through that process. How long ago was this? Oh, gosh. Eight years ago. Eight years ago. Um, so not yeah. that long ago. Okay. Yeah. Long, but not, not that so long. long. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, yeah. And so through that process, I met a CIO and who was an American entre- entrepreneur. He'd won it all, lost it all, sold a bunch of businesses. He was an incredible person um, okay. and was living in Australia, working as a CIO at a company. And he sat down with me and he mapped out this like whole product vision for me and was like, this is a really good idea. You should do it. I'm happy to mentor you through this process. And I was like, thank you so much. And it was so invaluable to my journey because I was like, I need to hire a CTO, but I have no idea how to order what, their code. What I'm doing. How, how do I do that? Yeah. And he was like, okay, post the job ads. This is the kind, like, this is what you need to look for. And he really helped me make that first hire. And then obviously the whole journey was much easier from there. But Do you feel like if you didn't have him, you would have been in a different Absolutely. And throughout my career, I've had so many people who have kindly paid it forward and mentored me or given me me time to, you know, really jump in the trenches and help with something. Yeah. And I think it's partly because I'm not afraid of asking for help. And I, I literally, he has someone was someone who had come from a cold LinkedIn outreach, and I'd said, "I've got this specific problem. This is what I'm trying to solve. This is what it looks like." I hadn't just gone to him and be like, "This is this a good business idea?" I was like, "This is what I'm trying to solve. I really need to understand the infrastructure that I would need yeah. to build it with. You know, can I come to you and have a coffee and pick your brain on these five things?" Um, so I think if you're willing to ask for help, then people really do want. I totally. believe want to see others succeed. I agree. Yeah. I think a lot of people, um, especially women, are just afraid to ask the questions, you know, because they're afraid that they're going to get shut down or the question is dumb. Dumb. Yeah. Or like, is this like the right question to even ask? Like, where do I even start? You know, so there's so many things that, that go through their mind. Um, not everybody is as confident to, to Honestly, do that. Honestly, I think right? it was naivety. I think that I didn't know, yeah. you know, maybe how ballsy that was. Um, and I think I was also, you know, I had done as much research as I could, so I wasn't going in completely blind. I was like, I think I need to use one of these three tech stacks. And I'd, yeah. you know, tried to come Got prepared it. and I came armed with like some some clear questions. Um, but I also didn't know that there was probably other ways. And back then, you know, whilst it wasn't that long ago, it, it was sort of the time where there wasn't really many other places to go and get that information. There wasn't all of yeah. the, you know, networking groups and startup hubs and all of the things that there is available now. So, getting access to that information was a little bit more challenging. So Yeah, I'm so glad that you spoke about LinkedIn. Like I went to LinkedIn, this is what I did because everybody, you know, doesn't understand or know that LinkedIn is so valuable. I'm a massive LinkedIn stalker. I always So am I. It's like if you don't have a LinkedIn, I don't trust you. Totally. (laughs) There's something wrong. (laughs) Totally. And I love like I've met so many interesting people through that who have either reached out to me or vice versa and 
who come from maybe adjacent industries and so many of them have led to interesting opportunities and um, partnerships. Oh, totally. And, and you can build so. such a really great personal brand and mm. share everything that you're up to and your journey and things like that. It's really, really great to build a community. So you went from CIO, he mentored you, then he kind of showed you a roadmap of what you should do to build this product. Built the product, MVP. Mm-hmm. Um, then you had to raise capital. Correct. So was this the first time you went out to raise capital? Yes, and it ever? actually sort of, yes, it was definitely the first okay. time. And um, it was actually quite organic because I hadn't decided we were going to raise capital. I was um, very lucky to be able to fund okay. the first sort of, oh, probably $500,000 of the business um, through my other business, Wink. So I was just okay. using the capital from that to be able to fund the startup. Yeah, And I'd actually gone to meet a few people in the industry to ask for advice on if I had a full-time job, if I was, you know, working at, I don't know, Macquarie Bank or whatever, at what point do you recommend to founders to leave their job and go and do their venture full-time? Like wh- what are the inflection points? What metrics are you looking for? And so I'd gone to see a few people and said, look, I, you know, I own this other business. It's a fantastic business. It's growing. We've got amazing clients, amazing models. But I'm, you know, I'm working on this startup and I'm basically working 24 hours a day and mm-hmm. that's not sustainable forever. But should I just put someone in to run the startup? I've never done a startup before. Maybe I could find someone better to do that. Should I close the business down? Should I try and sell it? Like, what do I do? Can mm-hmm. I put someone in to run that? Will it survive without me? All of those questions. So I'd actually gone to see some people about that. And one of the person that I'd, I'd spoken to was like, this is an amazing idea. You should absolutely do the startup and we would love to fund it. Was this Macquarie? No, I was just just giving the example of someone this like is, if you worked at Macquarie oh, Bank, okay, and like when okay, would you actually okay. quit? No, it was an investor, angel. Ah, uh, no, venture capital. Obviously, and, yeah. Wow. And they were like, "It's an amazing idea. You should definitely do it. Like, please come and okay. speak to us. You know, we'd love to get you in. Come and present to the rest of the team. But you know, we it. definitely think it's an amazing idea, and we'd be." And so I was like, "Oh my gosh, this was another. You know, I wasn't actually sort of coming with this idea of raising capital. Yeah, I was yeah. sort of back in the idea of like, should I even do this? Is it a good idea even? Um, wow! So it sort like- of added not another problem on top, but it was very flattering, I guess, to go. Someone sees some vision in this. Maybe should, we really should consider raising capital. And um, how long was that after the ideation? Oh my gosh, it was very early in the journey. We were probably maybe six months old. Six um, months. Yeah. Wow. So so you we had some good, uh, you know, indications of product market fit. Um, we had you know a really good uptake rate. We had a really solid number of clients and, um, you know, diversity of talent on the platform. And, okay. And it was, I guess, quite a unique offering in that we had a really strong founding team. Uh, I obviously had domain expertise. I had a great CTO. I had a really great um, product person. So I think when I think about it with my investor hat on now, I'm like, oh, yeah, I probably would have backed that startup. You know, it, it had a really unique offering um, and you know, quite a great founding team. And I think because you had a track record already, like you had already had a business that was already yeah. profitable, making money, you had yeah. a, a database of people that you could bring over to that yeah. product. So it, it made total sense. Yeah, certainly de-risked now, it. Now in the market, it's, um, or I guess like in the last 12 months, um, it's been so difficult for founders to raise capital. Yeah. And I know companies that are turning profit that are making you know, a, a decent amount of revenue, you know, 30 plus staff, um, you know, had sold their homes mm, put it just all on the to line. put it, yeah, all on the line just because they couldn't get capital. Yeah. It's I really feel like scary. it's slowly coming back now, mm. 
Um, what what are you seeing in the market, like in terms of raising capital? Do you invest into startups yeah, now as yeah, well? Yeah, I do. Oh, amazing! And it's um, I c- completely agree with you. It's a really challenging time, and people are mm-hmm. looking for much more than just blue sky vision. Which is, you know, a lot of companies before, and you know, probably when I look at the right fit, you know, it was yes, we had a little bit of proof of concept and a bit of product market fit, maybe. But it was still very much an idea. It was still very much like this is where we mm. think we're going to go, you know, back of the envelope numbers. Like we, we think we can get there. But and we could raise on that. And then now it's a lot harder to do that. You really do need to be able to have some really strong product market fit, ideally a path to profitability or at least break even. Um, and so I do feel for founders. It is it is harder. It is putting a lot more rigor into the industry. And mm. unfortunately, it does mean that maybe some of those really great ideas that you would love to see get off the ground maybe won't get off the ground. Um, yeah. And I think but people are getting really savvy and finding alternative sources of investment. You know, the the angel community is really strong now. Um, I do think, you know, the venture capital community in Australia is now so much more developed than when I was raising, you know, whenever that was eight years ago. So, yeah, um, yeah but it, I think. I think it's going to be very challenging, especially for those companies who have maybe raised like a seed round and a series A and have yet to really prove out that inflection point and are trying to raise their next round of capital to expedite growth. Um, yeah. That's really challenging. So you you raised the capital um, and then obviously you, um, you did really well with that business. You've obviously made an exit recently this year congratulations thank you um so how did that all come about so you scaled yeah um then did the exit happen organically or did you go out to market and then try and sell yeah so we'd had a few inbound approaches over the last sort of two two and a half years of the business okay and we you know it's sort of been like no now's not the right time no now's not the right time and but, you know, it obviously did get me thinking about what's next and what do I want my path to look like and what do I want my journey to look like. And also, like, I'd been working – I started Wink when I was 21 and so I'd been working full-time, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week for – I'm 38 and I'll just turning 38 next week. So, like, that was a long time. It was a long journey and yeah. I was like, at some point I need to make a decision about whether I can keep going because the next natural decision for the right fit would be to launch internationally. And I knew to do that, we'd obviously be raising more capital, putting boots on the ground. I would be spending a lot of time in new markets. And um, what I really wanted was the right partner that would allow us to do that. And so a big part of one of the reasons that we sold was unlocking the business to be able to go and do that and expedite growth. I really wanted to be able to see this business go and succeed internationally. And um, so, yeah, so we had a lot of inbound approaches and that kind of triggered. We got to a point with a party that um, that – where I thought we were getting pretty close to alignment on numbers and what a deal would look like and terms would look like. And then we sort of decided, okay, if we can, we should probably go out and explore the rest of the market. And so then we hired a formal advisor and went and explored what it's else. It's so interesting. There. And like, correct me if I'm wrong, it's so interesting with your background. You, you are really successful. You oh, come with you. so many <laughs> types of skill sets. Why did you not dabble into the US, USA market or European market? Like, why did you stay in? In Australia at home? We, well, I mean, partly because of COVID. So um, okay. as we were launching, um, we we had a plan to launch in the US and New Zealand basically right before COVID. So, Got it. so you did in Australia, plans. we had bushfire, the, the seasonal bushfires and then straight into COVID. So it kind of made launching internationally very, very difficult. And a lot of our talent on the marketplace are geographically specific. So if you need a photographer or you need a model, less so with influencers, but influencers are still sort of 
usually state or at least country specific. Um, Uh So for us to be able to go and do that, we would need to put boots on the ground, like hire teams in the US, go out there, spend time with them, blah, blah, blah. So Got it. So that was like never really. Yeah, 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 it did. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. COVID was like a a time. Wasn't it? Um, So with the USA market and European market, Mm. is that something that you would consider doing now? Yeah, with Hash Gifted, my new startup, it's definitely something that we are looking at already. So that business is only like three and a half, four months old. Um, but definitely like a natural fit for that business is um, is international markets, but also developing markets. So it's essentially a, a, for influencers, it's an app where it's like a dating app. They can swipe left and right on goodies that they want to receive. So it's all contra gifting. It's not on, it's not paid work. Um, okay. So to cut down the waste on influencers just being sent stuff that they don't want. Um, so they, they get to opt in and say, yes, I'd like to receive that or no, I don't want to receive that. Um, and they can also go and browse by brand. So if they're like, okay, I'm going to Brisbane and I need a night's hotel stay, they can go and see hotels in Brisbane and contact them through the platform. And then from the brand side, it's got a Shopify integration for e-com brands. So instead of going back and forth with creators on, I want this color and this top, oh, that's not in stock anymore, sort mm-hmm. of simplifies the whole process for them if they use Shopify. That's so, so cool. And that's been around Thank for you. four months. Yeah, it's about four months old. So, And is that just solely your business or do you have business partners? Yes. So I have a co-founder in that business. Okay. Um, and we are looking at, at other developing economies as well, so like Indonesia and Mexico. Oh, yeah. So we're contemplating doing like a Spanish version of the app as well. So anywhere where there's sort of mobile-first economies make make a lot of sense for us because it, obviously for the creator side it is an app. And and anywhere where, I mean, gifting um, and where there's a sort of developed social media and influencer market, so obviously Europe, US. All yeah, because that's usually what Aussies do. They like yeah. build something really amazing here, they make Go huge noise and then they scale USA and Europe. Yeah. That's why I ask. Yeah. <laughs> it was interesting to see that you stayed at home for so long. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, get it took it us so much longer to build the the marketplace and the technology for the right fit than yeah. I ever expected. I mean, I look back at our first IM and it was like, you know, two years after launch, we're going to be in 32, you know, um, uh, countries yeah. globally. And, we don't, and you're like, <laughs> it oh always gosh, takes longer. so naive. Like, just bless. <laughs> Everything takes so much longer than you, yeah. than you think. You write it down. You're like, yes, I'm going to achieve this in six mm-hmm. months. And it like literally takes years. So People true. have no idea. So, you you um you sold the right fit. Um, can you disclose how much you sold it for? Is it can't you can't disclose? Okay, because, yeah, that's fine. Um, so you sold the right fit. Your first exit. Yeah. How did that feel? It was so strange. It's kind of like if you've raised capital before, you're never quite sure when the right moment is to celebrate. Like. Is it the day you sign the term sheet really? but you know there's still an opportunity that the deal might fall over? Or is it the day that you sign the final completion paperwork? Like, So we signed the final completion work end of December but then there's a settlement period and so you don't actually settle until uh, I think we were like mid-February or something like that. And then there's a, a portion of um, the funds that are held back for one accounting cycle. So you're like, when exactly is it the right time yeah, to celebrate? Yeah. So it sort of, um, I had a really lovely send off with my team and we all, I took the whole team to Bali to meet the new owners and which was oh. lovely because we had start, we had staff in India and the Philippines and Singapore and Melbourne and Brisbane and Sydney. So it was really lovely to like get everyone together and celebrate oh. everything that we'd achieved and. So that was really awesome. Um, but, yeah, it certainly still doesn't quite feel real. Um, it was very strange for the first few weeks. Like 
not having an office to go to. Like I didn't. Yeah. So how how do how, how do you mean you haven't celebrated the the no exit? no I haven't what? had like it's I know it's so sorry. I did, I bought myself a beautiful necklace as like a personal <laughs> sort of celebration, a beautiful tennis necklace, and that was like my. But yeah, it was really, and I kind of just it. And strangely, it was basically I sold that business and then I had Hash Gifted was basically ready to launch Mm -hmm. and I had a GM change in Wink Models. And so it it was almost like, oh, God, okay, I'm back. I've got to like hire a new GM for Wink, make sure that that business is. And I hadn't touched that business for like eight years. I'd been so busy with the right fit. Wow. I'd been so hands off. So I was like, oh, better pay some love to that business. I was like, oh, my gosh, I need to, you know, tidy up some processes, train yeah, this new yeah, GM. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, my God, I've got this startup ready to launch. That was not planned. And um, so it kind of all of it. So I didn't – I was actually planning to take a six-month sabbatical Okay, was the plan. And it just keeps getting delayed by one more month and one more month and one more month. So, look, maybe <laughs> at the end of the year I keep saying one more month. Um, I, I definitely need to take some time off and decompress and also yes. reflect. I want to do all the personal work and go. Of course. All of the healing, all of the good things that happened in that journey, all of the challenging things, celebrate and take time to like reflect on the parts that I don't want to take into the next chapter of my life. Yeah, I was about to say that because um, I'd like to take, I don't know how much you're into the whole, um, not that I, you know, am you know, am a coach or a, spir- a spiritual mm-hmm. person, but I mean, I am spiritual, I believe in God, but it's interesting as you get older, you start to really think about the inner work more so than ever yeah and you know the trauma you've been through and the things and the lessons and reflection and is this really what I want out of life and was that really me and especially being a woman to I mean I'm talking from myself and my opinion I have to put myself in such a masculine energy Mm -hmm. to really succeed in my businesses and everything I do because it's just yeah. That's just that's the way it works, yeah, right? I, I can't be in my full feminine energy. It's something that I am in my personal life, but I can't yeah. bring that to my business. Yeah. So I feel like that's so draining for yeah. such a especially such a long period. From Absolutely. 21 you started wink yeah. to 38. Like that's a really long time yeah. to be in, you know, a really strong masculine energy. Yeah. It takes a lot out of you f- yeah. from for a woman. So can you like run through that with me like that yeah. journey and and how do you feel now versus before and yeah. have you figured that it's, out? I haven't I haven't got the secret like silver bullet solution to it yet, but it was certainly something that was very front of mind for me and a big sort of part of this journey was going what do I want that next chapter of my life to look like and yeah. you know th- there's only you know money is fantastic great you know um having status or you know having achieved things in my field fantastic like tick tick winning awards whatever all very good things but what what's going to make me happy in 10 20 30 40 years time yeah. what what does that next chapter look like and and i think that commercially my life um my commercial life i think had probably consumed a lot of my time energy input and it had really come at the cost of all of these other sectors of my life. And I didn't, I wanted to have a little bit more balance. Mm-hmm. And I was very aware of operating the world in a masculine energy and having to, to push through. And that, you know, isn't, I don't think necessarily naturally my state. And I'm definitely an introvert as well. I need a lot of recharging time. And given the industry I'm in, I hadn't had the opportunity to do that. I'd been out 
extroverted, living the world, going to events, attending functions, speaking, you know, all of these things. So I really reflected on that and went, okay, I need to make some really conscious decisions and try and be much more considered in what I take on um, and what comes next because mm-hmm. you, it's very easy to keep running on the treadmill. It's very easy to keep, you know, running forward, looking. It's very hard to stop and go, actually, am I going in the direction that I want to be going? Um, And I think one of the things that I'd reflected on was externally there will be no one who says stop working harder. All of the external um, voices and noise will be like, and validation that you'll get, like work harder, you'll earn more, you'll win more awards, you'll your business will grow. Like that is pretty much true of all things. If you can continue to work really, really hard and invest more time and energy in it, like y- you will progress. Like that is a fact, you know, if we, if we practice at anything, right? And, totally. And so having that conscious choice to step back really has to come from the internal yeah. and really has to be like, okay, that's true, but it's not, you know, filling my cup. It's not making me happy in like a really deep soul-filled way. How do I make change? And that's hard. Do, do you feel like that's something you're thinking about more so now? Yeah, I definitely like think recent, it's, a, yeah, it's definitely an age thing too. I think I look back at myself, you know, five, ten years ago, you've you're really, I was so single-mindedly focused on commercial success and that was so important to me and I was so like willing to hustle like and, you know, not that I'm not willing to do that now but it's a part of my life. It's not holistically all of my life. Let me tell you a story. I first chatted with Xnabler to help me execute my own idea but instead I went offshore to bring down the costs. Lesson learned. I went back to Xnabler and I got a quality build access to an amazing team and unmatched innovation. So much so, I bought into the company myself. When it comes to tech, you can't cheap out. With 150 nerds and growing, we're here to help you. Whether it's apps, software, blockchain, Web3 or AI, we've got you covered. With the experience that comes with working with startups to global companies. Get it right the first time. Connect with me directly on LinkedIn or visit xenabler.digital. Why do you think you were so focused back then? I think it was a little bit cultural as well. Like there was definitely this like hustle culture and like the Gary V and like, you know, work 24 hours a day, sleep for four hours, just get it done. Like, you know, sleep in the office. It was just kind of That's cultural. Crazy. But also it was, you know, a, a real, it. I, I had to be like that to get that product to where it needed to go. Um, no one was going to drive that but, but wh- me. Where did this come from? Like it always comes from somewhere. Yeah, I think where did where did this where do you get the the hustle, the drive, the grit to keep going? Yeah, um, my dad definitely was a, not a workaholic, but pro- probably on the borderline. Um, okay. loved what he did. Worked really hard. I mean, never missed a soccer game. Never missed you know a school concert or anything like that. But definitely, you know, worked really, really hard. And, mm-hmm. you know, I can remember him going back into the office after, not driving to the office, but back into our home office after dinner and he'd have reports to get out. Or, wow. And he loved that. He loved his job and he worked really hard and he instilled a, you know, sort of strong sense of mm-hmm. work ethic in in me and my sister. Um, and then I think in my early, late teens, early 20s, I was without knowing it, surrounded by a lot of entrepreneurs. I was surrounded by a lot of people who had their own small businesses or or larger businesses. And also being in the industry I was in, you got to meet a lot of freelance, you know, amazing photographers or creative directors or producers 
and they had to hustle. Like that's what they had to do. And so I didn't have really many friends who were working a nine to five job, getting their four weeks annual leave a year. So I don't think I realized how different it was what I was doing. It's it's so interesting because, um, you know, I was just reflecting and thinking about what you were saying to me when I asked you that question. And um, it's like I still see this hustle in you. It's like <laughs> I feel like you're going to never stop. I know. I it's feel pretty like, unhealthy. Yeah. I think um, I, I, need, feel I, like, I keep saying I need to be banned, like no more ideas. This like month extension. I oh, feel like this month is going to so take it yeah. out till 2020, end of 2024. <laughs> I keep saying I've got this like there, I would love someone to have an ideas drop-off service where like there's – I can, I've got all of these ideas for businesses. Can I drop them off somewhere? I just want to keep 10% equity and then, <laughs> you know, someone else can go execute it. I'm happy to sit on your board, give you advice. I was about to say that. Just, like what, what's the future, you know, um, I mean, because you can't keep going, you know. No. you need. I feel like you're at a time in your life where you're going to eventually be guided to do, do more inner work. Yes. You went yeah. to Byron recently and that yes. happened. And I feel like things in your life happen for many reasons. Absolutely. Now that you've done the big exit, you're building another business, like why is it that you keep doing what you're doing? Mm. What, what's the purpose? What's the message? What's what's the why? What yeah. do you want to leave behind? What do you want to be I known for? I am really passionate about this industry. Like I do love, I want, I want to improve this industry for the better. So like everything to do with models, influencers, social, marketing, you know, anything in that sort of sphere, I really am passionate about. And so I want to leave a mark on that field. Mm-hmm. I also... Um, Wink will be a fantastic business that will be able to run without me and, you know, hopefully I'll, uh, you know, go back to just sitting on the board and not touching it too much. The startup, I will definitely need to put in a CEO and an operator and and get that one running. And then, yes, I have had this, you know, whilst I haven't taken the formal time off that I was planning on taking, I have been on this huge personal growth journey of all of the things, acupuncture, you know, yoga, um, kinesiology, breath work, um, cold plunges, like the whole nine yards trying to like really figure out what is – what is it that's driving me? Is it coming from a healthy place? Like uh, I really love problem solving and I'm really, really passionate about these industries. Or is it an unhealthy place like a, you know, drive for ego or recognition or overcoming some sort of childhood trauma or like what is it coming from? Yeah, so, it's so interesting. Mm. I love that you are self-aware though, that you're checking yourself. Like you're coming back in. I keep saying the first step is recognising you have, you have a problem, right? I'm recognising I've got a problem with yeah, this like attachment it takes a lot. It takes a lot for somebody to recognize that like so so much yeah certainly took so many people years, so. <laughs> well yeah there's so many people walking around like that yeah. don't check themselves yeah you know true. with I the ego with thing and and the validation and the yeah. status and the money mm. it's all so amazing but you know when i look at successful people especially people that come on the podcast i've had you know billionaires yeah. and and people that you know have done really well for themselves including you um you know they have such an amazing life but sometimes they're always like well there's something more like yeah. and I, I can't stop you know there's something out there more for me and then they get dr- driven back to their personal inner you know uh, well-being and then they figure life out and they're like oh actually this is not what I want to do I want to do something else mm. and this happened recently a guy that I know um, he exited a few companies and I think his like net worth is like I don't know 650 million and he did a ayahuasca 
Oh, yes. Journey. Yeah. I don't know if you know. Plant-based medicine is really having a resurgence. Pretty much what that is. Yeah. So yeah. he tried mushroom first um, to warm himself up and then he did ayahuasca. Yeah. Literally a week later, I don't even know who he was. Complete it, He wasn't even yeah. the person that I knew. I was like, who even yeah. are you? And he's I like, so I found myself. And I was journey. like, what do you mean? You found yourself? Yeah. And he's like completely just traveling the world, like backpacking and like turned yeah. to this like massive hippie. Yeah. And I'm like, holy An shit. Like yeah. from suits to like yeah. yachts and like private jets. <laughs> like to backpacking. Yeah. Literally flipped, yeah. left his wife. Gosh, okay. Crazy journey. Yeah. yeah. And it just, it just makes me question like, wow, are people really just – walking around living just to live, like you yeah, said, like a, on a hamster wheel. It's like it's yeah. so easy to just keep going and going and going and going. Yeah. And sometimes people forget to check check in on themselves. Yeah. Like, And I think it often takes a big life experience, you know, whether it's the yeah. death of a loved one or, you know, I certainly know one of my mentors lost a family member and then had a very similar awakening was like enough, enough. Yeah. Like it is more important for me to I don't need this big high-flying career I want to come back I want to spend time with my family I'm going to move back to Australia you know so I know a lot of people who have had these awakenings and it's usually prompted by something like I mean plant-based plant is phenomenal have uh, you done it I have yes wow and uh, not ayahuasca but other uh, psilocybin and uh-huh. um, phenomenal it definitely gives you a different lens on the world and I think you have some obviously I'm really into like neuroplasticity and biohacking okay and yeah a lot of those sort of things and it certainly allows you to open open up your thinking and um, develop different neural pathways that that you're not used to using. So I think it's really, it's certainly an industry that, you know, we're starting to see legalised in Australia, um, which I think is so important. I mean, the the uses for ketamine therapy and MDMA and depression, like it's it's phenomenal. But obviously done safely with a medical expert, yeah. you know. So. No, I agree. I think um, it's something that should be more legal for people to be able to have access yeah. to. A, psychologi- a psychologist and, you know, doctors and things like that isn't enough, yeah. you know. Um, we know what we want in the end, like internally. We just need to, like, open that up <laughs> with yeah. plant medicine. Um, so within regards to your current, you know, status and and everything that you're doing, so you've been quite successful. You've, um, you know, built amazing businesses. You're still doing that. And you're on this journey now of trying to figure out what is it that you really want, yeah. tapping yourself on the shoulder, asking the right questions. Um, what is it that you want? Where do you, do you see yourself personally in the next yeah. five to ten years? It's so interesting. So I have this um, this concept called the perfect Tuesday. It's not mine. Like I don't know where it originally came to me from. I'm sure someone much smarter than me. But this this idea of going, it has to be a Tuesday. It can't be like, you know, Christmas holidays, but like, and sitting down and writing out like every single granular little detail, like, okay, you know, I wake up at this time. Do you wake up naturally or with an alarm? Do you wake up near the beach? Do you wake up with I don't know, like in a city apartment or like open open windows, like getting really, really granular and writing it all out. And I've just gone through and started redoing it this week to fit, try and figure some of this out, like down to, you know, do you wake up, do you have a partner next to you? Are there kids? Do you have dogs? Like is there noise in the house? Is there music playing? Yeah. Do you walk to work? Do you go to work at all? Are you, you know, do you exercise? All of those things. Who's cooking for you? Are you cooking? A chef? Yeah, yeah. wow. So it's a really um, good process of trying to put some rigor around because I think just saying like what do you want to do with your life is like I don't know but if you just go okay what do you want the perfect Tuesday to look like and sitting down and going well I love 
waking up early. Like that's, I love exercising. I love exercising in the morning. Okay. Like I love having lots of light in my home or apartment. So it really starts you like getting an idea of going, okay, I think these are sort of some of the things that I would need to have. I know I'm better in a relationship than I am when I'm single, like putting out all of those things. And then you can sort of start prioritizing the things you take on around that. Interesting. Mm. And do you are you married at the I'm moment? Not, I did, so no. you're not married. Have you been married before? I was married in my early twenties. Yes. Wow. For like a hot minute, like a year. Oh, okay, a hot yeah. minute. Okay. I thought yeah. it was like a long start period of, of time. No, oh, everyone start. gets one for free. I say. Yeah. <laughs> everyone gets one for free. And do you plan on having children? Is that something that you want Again, to do? Yeah, it's a big. I I think you know in my twenties I'd been like, oh, no, I can't imagine how my life we would, all would look like with that. Yeah, and I think especially when you're so busy and you're like, yeah. I don't know how this would work. Like, no. I don't understand. Yeah. Then in my 30s, I was like, maybe. Like, I can, I guess you probably always think maybe it would just happen and I don't know that the universe would you all. You work it out, yeah, right? Yeah, like fall it's gonna in around happen it. For me. Yeah. So certainly like, I have frozen some of my eggs and it's certainly something I was something about to like, say, is that something, a journey that you've been on? Because yes. a lot of women do talk about that and it's really good to talk about this on the podcast. Absolutely. Because I, would, I get so many questions literally about this. Yeah. And women. Yeah, people don't talk about it enough. And I they think don't, yeah. I wish someone had said to me, like, in my 20s, just go and freeze your eggs, get it out of the way, get it done now. When did you freeze your eggs? Um, when I was 34. 34, um, okay. Yeah, and I'm going to do another round as well. Um, is it is it a lengthy process? No, well, I mean, like, what's the... Personally, my journey was, like, amazing. I had a fantastic specialist. Okay. The end-to-end, I mean, it's an, you, it is a bit of annoying, like, you have to go for a bunch of tests and whatever. Okay. But then the end-to-end process for me was, like, 10 days. I mean, some people have like awful bloating or cramps or pain or whatever. I had nothing. It was a walk in in the park. I was in and out, day surgery, you know, no side effects, nothing. So, but everyone's journey is different, how you're impacted by the um, hormones. But yes, I would highly recommend it. So it's it's a journey that you've been on and it's something you've thought about. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So now I'm at that point of going, okay, got at least I've got a backup plan, um, you know, I guess probably would like to have a child maybe, I think. Um, I think it really depends on the person. Like for me it's much more about having that holistic life with the right person and what that looks like. So then it is about going, I, I would never have a child alone, like purely oh, because okay. I absolutely could not handle that. Like yeah. hand, hats off I'm to the, the same. women who, who do I that. Have, I, I have phenomenal. a couple of friends that have done the solo thing. Um, so impressive. One's uh, 39. She's turned 39. She just gave birth to her first child. How incredible. And the other one, I think she's 30, your age. I think mm-hmm. she's, yeah, 38. She's just turned 38. Um, and she's looking at, at doing that. Um, I just think it's incredible. Uh, it's, inc- it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, my all hats off yeah. to her. Yeah. I don't know how she's going to do it can, or how she's doing myself, it. So like let alone a whole human but being. I personally, I'm just too needy and yeah. I need too much attention <laughs> for that. I just could not do it. I need I, I need kill somebody my house to help plants. Me. Like I know I just should not be allowed to have <laughs> a child alone. So that, that's good to know though, that yeah. you're thinking about those things and it's good to share that. You yeah. Know, with and I think, you know, I've had so many conversations with other women about this because it's I think really common. everyone's like, gosh, like, I don't know. Are these feelings normal? Are these fears normal? Are these concerns normal? And totally. I think we talk about it and go, yeah, like I'm not sure and, and maybe mm-hmm. I would like to. And I've I've sought counsel of women who are older than me who didn't have children to say, did you regret it? How do you feel about it now? Are you happy with your decision? Mm-hmm. You know, how has your life sort of unfolded in in different ways to sort of really try and figure out? And also to with friends who are older and have children, like 
was it worth it? Was it worth all the things that you had to give up um, to sort of really try and make a personal decision about that? I think everyone's journey is different and I think you shouldn't be so hard on yourself. You know, I think a lot of people are really hard on themselves with this whole thing, right? Like of having kids at a certain age, getting married at a certain age, having a career at a a certain age. If you don't have a career now, you're even if you have kids younger, you're going to eventually have a career later. So it's just, we've just yeah, backflipped it, yeah. right? It's, it's yeah. Just, Our self talk is all pretty awful. When yeah, you listen yeah. To that little voice, like it's, we would never speak to someone else like that. Totally. Like, oh my god, you're a failure. You're We're behind. We're so critical of ourselves. You know, you should be further along by now. You should have your life together. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's awful. It's true. Thank you so much for sharing that. Oh, my I pleasure. do I do appreciate that because um it's something that we do need to talk about more. And now you've got the um the business that you had just started four months ago. So tell me about that. What's the future for this business is it something that you want to build globally which you did say earlier yeah so it's a subscription business which is touch what I shouldn't curse myself by saying this easier than a marketplace marketplaces are really really hard because you got to build geographic locations right like you okay. need supply and demand in one location is this it for is, all influencers or yeah, is it so you just have to have a minimum of 3,000 followers on Instagram okay, or a cool. minimum of 10,000 on TikTok um cool. and a minimum of 10,000 on YouTube so any of those platforms um and you can add a minimum of one percent engagement rate so we vet all the influencers that join and then they yeah so they download the app and then they can start swiping and matching with brands and chatting and um, they decide, the brands and the uh, creators together decide what the deliverables are going to be. Is it going to be a written review, a testimonial, UGC, like an Instagram reel, like whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's ratings and reviews for both sides. So we try to keep it really safe and secure and, you know, that everyone has a great experience. Creators can, can go and see the reviews of brands, like was this brand great to work with? What was the product like? You know, was it did it meet all of our expectations, all of those things, and vice versa. Brands can see that of creators. So Okay. Yeah. And it's an app. It's an app for creators and brand side is a web interface. So because okay. they need to connect there. If they have a Shopify store, they have to connect their Shopify store. They don't but if you don't have a Shopify store, you don't have to. You can still use it. So okay. like Estee Lauder use it, a core hotels, for example, oh, cool. overlay yeah. hotels. So they obviously don't have Shopify. So you can just sign up, post a gift. Um, and start receiving matches and go through and pick the ones you want. Amazing. Yeah. And it's called Hash. Hash Gifted. Hash Gifted. Yeah, yeah. And we capture all of the content in the platform as well. So if you booked a creator through our platform and then that person does an Instagram story about you or, you know, say it's a clothing brand, they're wearing your your clothing three months down the track and they do a picture on um, Instagram or a video on TikTok or whatever, we will capture all of that in the platform for you. So you can just go and see it all in one place. It's like a giant Canva library. So instead of having to go, oh, my God, like we missed that story on the weekend and now it's disappeared. I wonder what that person posted about us. It's all on the dashboard. All in the dashboard so you don't miss it. Yeah, cool. I I can visualize it, yeah. Nice. Thank you. Congratulations. Yeah. So definitely plan to scale it and who knows what. Who knows what. Who I'm knows supposed, where it's going to go. I'm supposed First to be we need to do like a break in Italy for six months. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. Exactly. That Get needs to sleep. happen soon. <laughs> and um, I have a question actually. It was really interesting. I, yeah, I actually haven't written it down, but I was thinking about this the other day. Um, what is it that you think about often, like once a week, that would be really not normal for people to really oh, think about. This. Like what what's like the thing that's just on your mind 
constantly? That, that is such an interesting question. Like, and, uh, and it, like it, it has to be something that people just would never even think about that. <laughs> I mean, post this, um, this retreat that I just did, I've been really conscious of like, think what things have chemicals in them, like really random things. Like I'm very like, yeah. oh my God, I'm like, you know, writing with this pen and like my hand goes across the ink as I write. Like, does that mean I'm getting like chemical like, random, you know, like after learning about all of these chemicals that we're consuming and touching in day-to-day life and like, mm. you know, I put on all of my beauty products in the morning. I'm like, oh my God, these are like riddled with chemicals. So that's probably in the last like four days since I got back, been so front of mind, like everything that I'm eating and touching and, and using and drinking. I'm like, oh my gosh, like chemicals everywhere. It's so true though. It's <laughs> a thing. Yeah. paranoid person so but what you're saying isn't wrong yeah I was in Europe for two and a half months and I swear I my abs were popping and I was eating cannoli for like yeah can, cannoli can, cannoli yeah cannoli for breakfast yeah. ricotta cannoli mm-hmm. pizza yeah for dinner pasta for lunch bread on bread with yeah. butter totally different cheese dairy I would don't even eat there. dairy that much here and over there yeah. I was just consuming so much cheese and dairy and I looked so amazing. Yeah. And I came back here and I consumed dairy and like everything Felt else. so unwell. Oh my God. Like bloated. I actually went to the doctors. I was like, I think I'm celiac. There's <laughs> something wrong with me. <laughs> totally different types of gluten. Yeah. I was learning all about yeah, like, the, all the stuff that the we, chemicals that they spray or the crops and fields in Australia. To, yeah, it's so, really bad. It's something yeah. that I've learned recently. But what now that's like a thing that you think about, what were you thinking about before? Like Ooh. constantly. Like a thing that's really weird that people don't really think about that you probably wouldn't tell people that you think about it because it's quite embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> I do think a lot about how I don't seem to manage to like adult very well. Like like really small things like incapacitate me. Like I don't know, like I don't know how to pay, pay my like link tolls in the car and like <laughs> You know, I have been thinking a lot about like, oh my god, like I'm, I turn thirty eight next week. Like, it's just I really an, need to. I really need Admin's to adult. Not like your top. Priority. I don't. I don't know how to deal with health insurance and all of these things, which make me seem like a feeble idiot. And so oh, I have been thinking god. a lot about that lately. Like, okay, you really like this is inexcusable. You really you need, need to get, get your this life together. together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So no, it's okay if it makes you feel any better. I'm not. I don't have health insurance either. Okay. I just pay for everything like upfront, and they're like, "Do you have health insurance?" I'm like, "Oh no, I don't." Should I, really I get? Should, should I, I have health, health insurance? insurance? And I don't know how it like how, I don't how it like works insurance. or whatever. So, and my poor parents, I'm like, um, could you please like help me with this Medicare claim or whatever? Like, terrible. Uh, oh my terrible. god, I would be lost without them. They're absolute godsends. So, oh, that's so cute. Um, is there anything that you want to leave on the podcast that we haven't spoken about that you would like to speak about? It could be about your current business. It could be a story about a recent entrepreneur or someone that you've spoken to that you maybe want to share that could help somebody, a piece of advice that you've learned in the last 10 years. Yeah, maybe just on I've recently joined the board of Fishburners and oh, yeah. um, I'm, which is such an amazing organization and like I've been meaning to go there. I know oh, Clive it, really well. Yeah. Oh, fan, like Has incredible. He left? He left recently. Uh, no, Clive Mayhew that's on yeah. the board. No, he's still on the board. He's oh, still he's chairman. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and just amazing, incredible humans and just being plugged back up into that really early stage startup community again is just so inspiring. And I just, I hear so many awful stories of founders who feel so lost and so isolated and who are desperately looking for mentorship or who and I just 
being back, being in that space, but also just going to some of the community events and things, I'm like, wow, like the community has developed so much in the time since I started my businesses. Like there were just was, especially when I started Wink, there was like, startups weren't a thing it was like the small business chamber of commerce or whatever (laughs) you know there wasn't like startup networking groups or anything and so I would just like so strongly urge people out there if you are especially now that a lot of people work from home and maybe Mm. don't they're not out there socializing if you've got a great idea go out there talk to people about it go to some of these amazing networking events one it's going to be so much better for your mental health Mm. to just have someone to share to vent with to share to realize you're not alone so many people going on the same journey having the same fears going is this a good idea or like is this what i should be doing oh my gosh like you know i feel isolated how do i hire a cto whatever it might be um that there's so many of these amazing groups out there now and communities and go and get plugged in and meet people and share um you know and and if you can give back if you've been down this path and journey on your own um please like try and give back to the community if you can it's um it's so important that we help that next generation of phenomenal young entrepreneurs that are coming through and it's so it's so exciting to hear other people's stories like I I love going to pitch nights oh my gosh yes so fun and I'm like oh my god this is actually a really good idea I was like holy shit how did they come Come up up with this this? yes I know and I love just seeing all of the new technology that they're developing and yeah I'm on this big AI binge at the moment like consuming and learning as much as I can about that and seeing that the applications in these, you know, in these companies now, I'm like, oh my gosh, you're so brilliant! Like, I love seeing these yeah, new ideas. Yeah, so. it's it's and it, and I think it's what keeps us alive. Absolutely, especially like you I want to keep people, learning until the day I die. So. Totally, I, I literally did a post I think this morning or yesterday. I said I want to be 80 and I just want to sit on these boards and listen to these 18 year old kids pitching me yeah. these amazing ideas. ideas. Yeah, you know, like I just feel like that's what would keep us alive. Yeah. It's so. I thrive on that. I love it. Yeah. You have such an amazing personal brand. You're pretty much everywhere. I think I sent you on Virgin one time and then you were like on some other ad and I'm like, this woman is everywhere. everywhere. You're literally everywhere. (laughs) So you're really well known to the Australian market, especially. How do you separate your personal brand to your businesses? Like, Mm. because you're the face of all these other brands plus your business brands. Yeah. How does that separation work? Yes. And so I really fought building a personal brand in the early days because I was like, no, I just, I'm busy. I just need to build my business. You know, I don't need a personal brand. And my publicist really wisely at the time was like, look, you have a personal brand whether or not you choose to control it. So if you don't choose to control it, the media is going to decide how they portray you, you know, whether that's like, you know, I love that. X model, you know, is maybe how you're going to get coined. And is that how you want to be perceived? And, you know, so you really can either let that be shaped for you or you can take control of it. And I was like, okay, fair call. And so I went through a really conscious period of going, okay, these are the thi- these are my core values as a person and these are each of my company's values. How do I make sure they align? What topics do I speak about that, you know, really speak to all of those? What events do I attend? What brands do I work with? All of those things have to align to be a really strong cohesive clean picture that makes sense and it really helped because it stopped me saying yes to so many things that were just like no that's not on brand for me it doesn't align with me and it also meant that people were much clearer on when to reach out to me because they were like this would align with Taryn this would make sense like she will she's the right 
the right fit, the right match for this brand. Um, and so it was a very conscious period of going, okay, for two years I'm going to invest in like curating and shaping my personal brand. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely it can become a bit of key man dependency in a business if you're so intertwined with, you know, what the business is known for. So when we went through the journey of selling the right fit, I had to really make sure it was very clear to the new owners that, we have a great CEO, we have a great CTO, we have all of these people in place. Like, yes, I'm very much the media face of the business, Mm -hmm. but, you know, the the business operationally doesn't rely on me. So in all of my businesses, I've really Mm -hmm. made sure that they operate without me, um, they can, you know, run without me, and that I can free myself up to do the parts that I actually really love, which is sort of the media and face of business parts, um, and free me up to be on boards and do other things where I can add more value. Thank you so much for coming on the Thanks show. Thanks for having me. It was so good to chat. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Startups and Unicorns with Belinda Agnew. If you haven't already, be sure to follow the show. Xenabler is your one-stop tech innovation partner, creating unmatched digital solutions and turning tech visions into a reality. For more information, visit xenabler.digital. Get in touch with Belinda by following at Belinda Agnew Official. 